we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you with us today on the show. My name is Walker Wildman, and I'm your host for the show. Not only today, but every day here on The Core on American Family Radio. Hope you, the audience, had a very Merry Christmas. I know we did. Uh, Bobby? How about yourself? Did you have a good Christmas? I'm back. Yes. <laughs> Had a terrific Christmas. Good. To, uh, and you got a little family coming into yeah, town? Yeah, got some family coming on on a belated Christmas, so that should make for a very good week. Good. Yep. All right, Marty over here. Marty's trying to sell a house and build a house. Yes. So, uh, Marty, did you have a good Christmas? I did. It was quiet. Uh, we're not going to celebrate Christmas until this week. My older son's coming home, so we're waiting for that. Yeah. And my wife is about to chomp at the bit to get a hold of those Christmas presents. She wanted me to open them up, and I said, no, 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 we got to wait. Yeah, There's no, and there's no reason to try to cram it all in in a day. No. So I, li- I like spreading it out a little bit. Yeah. Um, That's funny. So we did, we did a little Christmas last night as well, you know, the day after Christmas. So uh, it's all fun, and um, – you know, the as a as a young dad that I am, um, uh, children really bring about um, really reminding you what Christmas is about. It's about celebrating the birth of Christ. And you know, I was once this way, but my son Luke, you know, he would open several gifts, and then he would look at me and say, "Where is the next gift?" <laughs> And I'm thinking, wow, you just got like seven gifts, and you're looking at me saying, "Where is the next one?" And uh, where's the beef? Yeah, so I had to, <laughs> I had to explain, son, you need to be grateful for what you have. Um, and it's a reminder to myself as well uh, to be grateful for the things that we have. So let's, um, you know, in in the life of a Christian, it is. It is easy or or it can be sometimes tempting to be looking around the world going, what's going to fulfill me next? Mm. Uh, And I do this. I do this at times. What's going to fulfill me next? You know, what material item is going to fulfill me next? What relationship is going to fulfill me next? Um, But and kids do the same thing. They just do it in different ways. Um, and my son was doing it with gifts. Where's the next gift? Where's the next gift? As if somehow there was going to be that gift where he goes, I'm content. I don't need any more gifts. Uh, but we know that's not going to happen. Our human nature is more, more, more. We want more, more, more. And we think the next one is going to be the one, um, even though that just never seems to happen. Um, so when you translate that to a spiritual lesson, we need to learn and condition ourselves to be grateful for that which God has given us. Um, and when we are thirsty, when we are hungry, when we are desiring um things, uh, we need to go to God, seek him for our ultimate fulfillment. Uh, so that's a, a little Christmas lesson that I learned this Christmas, um, to, uh, look to God, look to him for our ultimate fulfillment and our ultimate peace. Amen. Um, reading from the book of Psalm, 
We're in chapter 3 this week. We're going to read these chapter by chapter as the weeks and months go by. Because uh, one thing I notice about Psalm is, you know, you read a verse or two and you're like, huh, what? <laughs> you read the chapter, you're like, ah, okay, I got it. Uh, so that's what we're going to do with Psalm. And that's really the case with much of Scripture. Uh, except maybe when you get over to Proverbs, uh, those come in little nuggets there. Uh, so we're, we're continuing on in the in the Psalms of David here, um, talking about the Lord being our shield and our sustainer. Psalm chapter 3, the entire chapter, 1 through 8, verse 1 through 8, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek and you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Amen. And so the two two verses I want to point out here is 3 and 5. But you, O Lord, are my shield. Then you move on to verse 5. For the Lord sustained me. Um, so what we can take away from this is that the Lord is not only our shield, our protector, but he's also our sustainer. He's what sustains us. Um, not only in times of difficulty, but also he sustains us um, in times of plenty. So that's what we can take away from Psalm chapter 3 today. Um, jumping into the news of the week, you know, the media, just they just have a knack for, um, you know, everything seems to be bad. And, and I get it. You know, human nature is, for some reason, there's an old saying, my dad's reminded me of it a couple of times, but... When it comes to the media, if it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> Meaning if it's a bad story, then it's going to be at the top. And I don't know really why that is. Maybe we just, uh, humans have a tendency to lean towards, you know, doom and gloom, um, looking for the next disaster. But um, but when you talk about this, and we try to we try to cover good news stories on this show every once in a while. I mean, we, we don't need to act like we're in fairy, fairy tale land. Uh, because we're not, uh, and Scripture doesn't describe the world as that as that way. Um, but there are good things going on in the world by the body of Christ that do need to be noted, and that's what we try to do on the show here by bringing on our different guests, bringing on partner ministries that are doing God's work, God's kingdom work. Um, so we try to pr- try to provide a little bit of a balance here on the show. Um, but speaking of the media, and if it bleeds, it leads. Um, I don't think that's boating too well for um, some of these major outlets. And this is an Associated Press report, ironically, because they're probably one of the outlets that are bleeding readers. Uh, But the Associated Press put out this piece today titled, Outlets Hurt by Dwindling Public Interest in News in 2021. It goes on to say, The presidential election, pandemic, and racial reckoning were stories that drove intense interest and engagement to news outlets in 2020. To a large degree, 2021 represented the inevitable hangover. Various metrics illustrate the dwindling popularity of news content. Cable news networks were the main form of evening entertainment for millions of Americans last year. In 2021, 
Uh, weekday primetime viewership dropped 38% at CNN. It dropped 34% at Fox News and 25% at MSNBC, according to the Nielsen Company. The decline was less steep but still significant at broadcast television. Evening newscast, 12% at ABC's World News Tonight. And the CBS Evening News uh, dropped uh, also 12%. And then NBC's Nightly News dropped 14%. Um, so, so I bring this up because th- there's one of two things happening here, and I'm not really sure which one it is. Maybe it's both. I think people in general in this country are rather over the bleeds it leads strategy. I think people with whether it be the COVID mania or the Trump derangement syndrome or the fawn over Biden no matter what strategy, which is also going on, um, I just think a, 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 a significant amount of people uh, just got rather fed up with it. Uh, they got rather exhausted with it. And uh, some people, you know, I've talked to people, they just tuned out. I mean, and I'm not, I don't mean that in a literal sense, but they've really just stopped consuming a lot of the daily news that they were once consuming. Uh, with the whole election in 2020 and all the scandal that followed, I talked to some people and they just said, you know, I'm done. I checked out. Uh, that stuff was 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 consuming me. It was making me frustrated. It was driving my emotions. So so I just checked out for a little while and, and maybe that's healthy. We don't need a check out of life because we're called as Christians to be engaged with what's going on around us, to be engaged in the culture. Uh, but some people are just taking a little sabbatical, a lengthy sabbatical from uh, the panic that the news media publishes day in and day out. So maybe that's a good thing. You know, the other the other, op, the other alternative here as far as an explanation, and, and like I said, maybe these two things go hand in hand, but I think a lot of people are finding their news from alternative news sources, and that's really not covered much here. It's covered a little bit at the bottom of this AP article. article. It's not really covered a whole lot here, and that is, well, what if these news, what if these consumers of news are just going somewhere else to get their news? Huh? What about that? That's actually a very viable option, a very viable alternative, rather, is that people are fleeing the traditional news outlets, and they're just going somewhere else, like maybe American Family News. How about that? Um, And I I think these two things are probably playing into each other, and leading to a drop-off of viewers of some of these more traditional outlets. And it was interesting. I mean, even Fox News, which has typically experienced a lot of growth year over year, they're down 34%. They're down 34%. Um, So, you know, I don't know what the ultimate explanation is. Maybe we'll get a survey or a study at some point to provide us some more insight there. Um, But I think, you know, we've got to find a healthy balance of knowing what's going on, in our society, in the world around us, knowing what's going on, being an informed citizen, um, an informed Christian, but not letting it consume us. You know, don't let the news drive your emotions. It really doesn't need to have that kind of hold on us. And and, and I'm not saying we need to be calloused. We need to be emotionless. We need to have no feelings. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, especially some of these, uh, a lot of these stories that really don't, um, have a whole lot of bearing on your life. You know, um, I think there's, there's been this, 
there's been this overemphasis on national news when some of the most important news that affects you and I and our daily lives is local news. And I'll admit, I haven't been a local news buff. I haven't done my, 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 my due diligence on staying up to speed on local news as much as I should have. Um, but that's the news that really um, affects your daily lives, what your mayor is doing, what your city council is doing, what your governor is doing, what your county supervisors are doing. And you can go down the list of other local officials, local um, entities that you should be uh, focused on, that you could be should be concerned with. Um, but there's this, been this huge um, focus on national news, and I really think it, it's really taking up too much of the oxygen in the room. It's really taking up too much of the oxygen in the room, and maybe that's on. Maybe this is intentional, but that's why I'm I'm, I'm kind of cynical about what goes on in Washington D.C. at times. I call it a circus at times, and and the senators and the congressmen and and they go on on the floor and they give these these speeches about how you know we're gonna fight the Democrats. Uh, we will never pass another spending bill like this. This is a terrible way of doing things. And part of me is like, yeah, tell them, get them. You know, but but you hear the same thing over and over again. You hear the same speeches over and over again. And you look at Washington, D.C., and it really is like this this show, like the greatest show on earth. And there are good people in Washington, so let me make that caveat. Uh, there are Christians in office that are that are carrying out their duties to be salt and light. They are promoting godly values, godly principles in, in public office. So we need to be th- grateful for those. So I'm not casting a broad net across all people in Washington. There are a select few people in Washington that are truly genuine uh, uh, believers in Jesus Christ, and they are pushing, they are promoting their biblical worldview in their sphere of influence. So that is a good thing. Uh, but much of what goes on in Washington, D.C., I'm telling you, after just several years of watching it, watching it, much of it is just a lot of show, a lot of talk, and little action. Remember the shirt I said we should make? A lot of talk, little action. That explains uh, national news. That explains Washington, D.C. So, um, as Abraham Hamilton III says, live local. You know, focus on local politics, local news. Focus on your local church, maybe. And focus on discipleship. Let's do that for a change in 2022. Hey, we got a special guest, Jan Morgan out of Arkansas, a U.S. Senate candidate. Be back in a few minutes. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When the Spirit of God penned those words through Apostle Peter, he meant every bit of them. Christ following is distinct from the world. Christ followers must look different from the world. We shouldn't be surprised then when the world does not understand us and demonizes our faith. Jesus said, the student is not above the teacher. The world hated Jesus. We mustn't be surprised when the world hates us. We are called to be peculiar. Understand it. Embrace it. Get comfortable with it. Get used to it. We are in the world, but not of the world. Stay peculiar, my friends. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. We recognize through Genesis 127 that we are made male and female in the image and likeness of God. Our body is a gift from God that is good and pleasing to Him. Gender ideology does not acknowledge God's hand in creation, and it gives the false idea that a person's sex can be changed at will. Many families struggle with the issue of identity. The key is to show respectful and compassionate love for your daughter as you walk through this journey with a pastor or Christian counselor. Culture will not teach your daughter about her God-given femininity. Show her that her gender is not an adherence to a set of stereotypes, but rather an expression of the inmost true and God-given self, and that cannot be changed. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. It all came down to the ultrasound. And I saw this little lima bean looking thing with a halo, which I thought was incredible. A baby wasn't really in the plan for this young mom. After seeing a halo on her baby on ultrasound at a preborn center, she was still leaning towards abortion. And I got to hear the heartbeat and I got chills. In that moment, I just felt God's arms come around me and hug me and tell me that it was going to be okay. Preborn centers are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the country as they equip centers to save more babies and souls. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. I had a choice to become a mom and hear those little footsteps running down the hallway every morning is all because I had an ultrasound. It saved my life and hers. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the core here on American Family Radio. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you today. Hey, we are live streaming the video, so if you want to go there and check it out, we are live streaming the video on YouTube and Facebook, both of those platforms. We are live streaming the core on both of those platforms. Just type in AFA at the core, either on YouTube or Facebook, and you'll be able to find the live stream there. And of course, every day during the week, we live stream the audio on our website and on our app, the American Family Radio website, AFR.net and the American Family Radio app. Hey, we have a special guest on the line with us not too far from here in the state of Arkansas, uh, Jan Morgan. She's running for uh, U.S. Senate as a Republican in uh, the state of Arkansas in the Republican primary, and then if she wins that, of course, she'll be in the uh, general election for for a U.S. Senate seat in the state of Arkansas. Hey, Jan, welcome to the court. Thank you for having me. And just so you know, for people who are not familiar with Arkansas, we are a solid red state, which means whoever wins the Republican primary will be the next United States senator. So uh, May yeah. 24th is a is a really important date for us. And what happens on that date will determine who is going to be the U.S. senator from Arkansas. You know, Jan, that's a good point. Um, and a lot of people don't, don't realize this, but primaries often uh, determine general election outcomes. I mean, that's that's a case in many places across the country. There are some exceptions in swing districts, et cetera. But to your point, yeah, primaries are very, very important. It is. And unfortunately, that is the largest election cycle where people do not vote. And more specifically, the Christian population is notoriously one of the largest groups of people in America that do not vote. And we've got to change that. I think, you know, Christians have been, we have seen what what happens 
when uh, the, the Christian population doesn't get involved in engaging with your government. You know, we, we saw so many churches closed down when COVID first hit. Uh, you saw bars were still allowed to be open, but in many states, churches were forced to close. They weren't allowed to worship and gather. Um, so I think we're going to see more Christians across America waking up and getting involved in the election cycle, but we certainly need them to be involved in the primary because in many instances across America, that is where elections are won or lost. Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. Hey, Jan, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us a little about yourself. You're in Arkansas. You live in Arkansas, and you're running uh, for the U.S. Senate seat there. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, sir. I'm a Christian, first of all. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a small business owner. Uh, I was the national spokesperson of Citizens for Donald Trump. I've been a conservative all my life. My mom says I was a conservative in the womb. Um, I was. <laughs> I served two terms on the executive board of the State Baptist Convention here in Arkansas. I have been a national Second Amendment advocate, but a national commentator as well. You People may have seen me on Fox Business Network, on Fox News, um, offering analysis on conservative issues over the past uh, three, four, five years. But uh, at any rate, I decided to get into this race. Because uh, the current sitting senator, number one, for 21 years that he's been in office, which, by the way, I believe in term limits, and he's been there way too long. He's, 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 if anytime you get a, a politician in office that long, they begin to become too comfy with their counterparts across the aisle. And his voting record is a reflection of that. He has a failing voting record from three, four different conservative outlets. In fact, the John Birch Society says that he, uh, 83% of his votes have been conflict with the uh, Constitution and Bill of Rights. he For 21 years, he has voted for appropriations bills, which uh, support Planned Parenthood. I would never, ever vote for an appropriations bill that allows funding Planned Parenthood, period. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand doing that if you say you're a pro-life conservative, which I am. Hmm. Uh, I believe in, in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. I I'm a, I'm, I'm tell the people I would never vote in conflict with the Word of God with the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. The current incumbent also uh, blamed President Trump for what happened January 6th. I was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. I was there to hear the president's speech. I listened to every word, and then I went back to my hotel room. I was not a part of what happened at the United States Capitol. But I do know firsthand that the, the president of the United States did not say or do anything to contribute to or incite any kind of riot uh, at the United States Capitol, but but yet the incumbent blamed him for what happened January 6th. And that was the day I decided to get into the race. Also, uh, he voted for, to confirm Joe Biden's nomination for U.N. Ambassador, Linda Thomas-Greenfield. And Linda Thomas-Greenfield is an America-hating uh, apologist and racist who says that America's founding documents are weak with white supremacy. So, you know, there, there are so many issues. I could go on all day about the differences between the two of us, but but he is owned by big pharmaceutical companies, and that's another reason that I say term limits is just critical to fixing our government and restoring the power of the government back to the people. The people have lost control of their state governments in many cases, and of course we've lost control of our federal government, and we have to restore that. And the only way to do that is to turn around and get back involved with your government and engage with your government. And before this segment, I was listening to you talk about the state and, and city and county races, and those are so critical. But sending me to the United States Senate, we all benefit, regardless of what state you live in, you all benefit from having strong Christian conservatives in our United States Senate. And that's why I'm hoping that your audience will listen to me and support me, because even though I won't be uh, your senator 
because I will be from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I will be your senator because I'm a, I'm a Christian sister. Yeah, you know, Jan, we have a lot of listeners in Arkansas, um, probably over a dozen stations in there. So we have a very, very developed mm-hmm. audience there. So you're speaking to them as well. Um, when we right. talk about um, uh, when I talk about what's going on in Washington, you heard my last segment, but you know that there are some significant things that do develop in Washington D.C. I mean, President mm-hmm. Trump, to his credit, um, had some had, had some of the best nominations for the U.S. Judi- uh, federal judiciary in in, in, right. in presidential history. I mean, not only yes. the, uh, as far as the quantity, the number, but the quality as well. Um, and so, yes. but but I say that to say that the U.S. Senate confirms those nominees. So that's uh, mm-hmm. something that's important that has a lasting impact on our country is who these U.S. senators, possibly would be you, who they approve for these uh, federal positions. Exactly. And also uh, an elimination of the, the big shows. You were talking about how you know what we see happening in D.C. appears to be so much of an orchestrated show. And you've got rhinos who are in bed with the Democrats uh, who, have, who have forgotten what the Republican Party platform says that we are. Our Republican Party platform is very specific about what it means to be a Republican. And when you are elected to office, it's, no, it's, it's not about you and how you personally feel about issues. It is about representing what that Republican Party platform says that we are. Number one in our Arkansas Republican Party platform, it says that we believe in the power of faith in God. We, that, is, that is a very powerful statement. We believe in, we are pro-life. We believe in limited government, cutting taxes, cutting spending. We, are, we have a strong belief in the, the, the right to keep and bear arms for personal self-defense, personal accountability. And when you believe in limited government and personal accountability, none of your votes should be in line with advancing socialism. And, and so many of our Republicans in, in the, the state level and at the federal level have forgotten that limited government means smaller government. Yes, the government that governs best governs least. And yet, even in our own state, we're coming out with a thousand or more new pieces of legislation, new laws, every single time our legislators meet. You almost get to the point where you say, you know, we're better off if they don't meet because then we don't have more laws added and more regulatory burdens. We need less regulatory burdens. Do you remember when Donald Trump was first elected, one of the, the best things he did, one of the first things he did that had a huge impact on businesses across America was you remember the picture of him standing in front of this huge piles of papers, and and he had this big flash across them. He slashed regulatory burdens off of business deregulation. And when you take yes deregulation, yeah. if people who are business owners understand what that does to the economy and what it does to them being able to operate their businesses. And yet, as soon as Joe Biden took office, what did we see him doing? We see, we saw him reversing all of the the amazing things that Donald Trump did that he could that he could. And some that he shouldn't even have been allowed to do constitutionally, but he did them anyway. And until we were able to challenge them, uh, but our 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 United States senators should have stood up to Biden immediately when he started overstepping his constitutional authority uh, and and making moves, for example, in the areas of OSHA on the mandates and uh, allowing CMS. I mean, it, it took us way too long to get in get in the fight for that, and those fights had to happen at our state levels. Yeah, and uh, there was. Yeah, to your point, Jan, there was a little bit of talk uh, a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month ago about maybe some Republicans in the House putting up a fight against uh, some of the mandates via the spending bill, maybe making uh, uh, Democrats come over and undermine the Biden uh, illegal executive orders via the reconciliation package or whatever they want to call the next spending bill. Uh, but but right. that that fight dwindled 
before it even started. I mean, it wasn't sure. one day the Freedom Caucus and some of the good guys in Congress were like, yeah, we're going to fight this through the spending legislation. And then the other Republicans, the ones you say are Republicans in name only, they come around and they partner up with the Democrats to help defeat the House Freedom Caucus. And so it's like, sure. who, 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 which team are you guys on? I'm talking about the rhinos. I think that you're going to see a wave of, of uh, true conservatives running for office across this nation, people who never intended to get into politics at all, who are stepping up and running simply for this reason. We are sick and tired of rhinos. And Mitch McConnell is one of the biggest problems that we have in D.C. I, I was one of the first Republicans stepping up when I announced my candidacy for U.S. Senate, saying I would not vote to confirm Mitch McConnell for Senate Majority Leader. Mm. Mitch McConnell was one of uh, President Trump's biggest obstacles because yes. He, 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 yes, he, we all know why. So, uh, you know, President Trump, even though he did not have Mitch McConnell and, and, and all of the, the Republicans who stood with Mitch, uh, he was not only fighting the Democrats, he was fighting the, the rhinos within our own party. And even still, he was able to accomplish more than just about any other president in American history. Uh, so, we need leadership like that again, but we also need someone running our United States, uh, running our majority, who will not be an obstacle and will be an asset. And Mitch McConnell has to go. Jan, what are what are a couple of the key issues when you travel around the state of Arkansas? You talk to people on the ground, talk talk to everyday citizens, mm -hmm. um, hardworking people from Arkansas. What are some of the issues that they tend to care about the most? The same issues I think that, that people in most states care about the most because we're all being impacted by them. For example, illegal immigration. Illegal, illegal immigration is huge. Uh, what we did in our state, and I, I played a, an essential role, even though I'm not an elected official, I pretty much lived at our state capitol and was very influential in getting legislation passed to protect Arkansans from federal unconstitutional overreach in the areas of illegal immigration, election integrity, which is huge, and of course, our Second Amendment rights uh, and medical freedom. Those are the four issues that uh, were the most critical to people in our state, and I truly believe it's, it's the same across America because those are the things that hit home. When, when your children had to go to school and wear masks all day at school, uh, when when people's jobs were being threatened because they refused to get vaccinated mm. uh, and there were no religious exemptions offered or no medical exemptions offered. We had hundreds of thousands of Arkansans who were facing losing their jobs because we could not get past legislation that would prevent employers from uh, from using the vaccine status as a condition of employment. We were able to get legislation passed in our state that prevented any government agencies or state-funded agencies like some of our uh, universities and some of our medical institutions like UAMS, we were able to stop them from requiring the vaccine as a condition of employment. But it was a major battle because, as you know, big pharmaceutical companies control many legislators. And that's another problem we have with people who stay in office too long, and that's why I'm a huge advocate of, of uh, term limits. Because people get in office and pretty soon they, they, they become controlled by big pharma and other uh, major uh, uh, influencers because of financial contributions. And as a result of that, they vote in their interest rather than special interest rather than in the interest of the people. I don't think our founding fathers ever intended for legislators to get in office and then never leave, which is what we're finding way too often. And you look at people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Mitch yeah. McConnell. They're just people that have been there too long. But on the election integrity issue, everyone wants to know that your votes are going to count. 
and people are really concerned about that. And what we what we don't want is for people to not vote because they because of what happened the last election. I do yeah. truly believe our election was stolen. You cannot tell me that 80 million people showed up if they were so excited about Joe Biden that 80 million people showed up to get Joe Biden elected. Um, so we've worked really hard in our state, and I'm hoping the same thing has happened in states across America to to make sure that there is integrity in our election system. But we can't just back away. And that's what that's my main message to Christians and to people today is you can't let what happened make you back away and say, well, it's lost. America's lost. We have to turn away. There's nothing else we can do. Yeah. No. Now more than ever, you need to get in the fight. And you need to get involved. And if it means running for office, if, if it means staying after your secretary of state to make sure that there are election integrity issues, uh, legislation passed to protect your election system. Um, we did. We now have a law passed in Arkansas that prohibits sanctuary cities in our state so that our state is not putting out the welcome map for these people who have come here illegally. Hmm. We have a legal way for people to come to America. And granted, we need immigration reform. But until that happens, we need to adhere to those laws. We need to be we are a nation of law and order. And the only way we can maintain law and order in America is to, to stick with the laws, the immigration laws that we have in place. Yeah, so, and, and to uh, your point, Jan, we're one of the most generous countries when it comes to immigration. Over one million legal absolutely. immigrants every single year. Hey, Jan Morgan running for U.S. Senate uh, on the Republican side there in the state of Arkansas. Thank you for coming on the show. You bet. It was a pleasure, and hope to see you again soon. All right. Thanks, Jan. There you have it. That's uh, Jan Morgan from the state of Arkansas running uh, against the incumbent there, John Boozman. Um, uh, which we uh, are also going to invite on the show uh, to see if he'll come on and talk about his record as well. Um, and we don't obviously endorse candidates on the network here. Um, so uh, so that was uh, Jan Morgan speaking for herself about the issues that uh, many people care about today. Um, and to her point about Senator McConnell, you know, he, he did a very good job, to his credit, he did a very good job of pushing through, number one, fending off Merrick Garland for the U.S. Supreme Court seat, but also fending, uh, pushing through the federal judiciary appointments that President Trump made. So good for him on that. But often, too often, Senator McConnell has been partnering and cozying up with the radical Democrats that want to take this country down. For example, just two weeks ago, he cut a deal with Schumer so that they could pass the, the uh, spending bill that gets us through February with only 51 votes. Senator McConnell and other Republican senators made that bill possible. And so we need a fighter. We don't just need a fighter one day out of the year. We need fighters in Washington 365 days out of the year. AFA at the core. Be back in a few minutes. Oh, Lord, please let me make it. Please, Lord. American Family Association or American Family Radio. I missed the show again. Can't find the time to catch the live shows? No worries. Wait, what? You can listen and download all your favorite shows for free. For free? That's right, for free. Just visit the podcast page on AFR.net. Lord. AFR.net. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA upholds the truth that all human beings, including the unborn, are created in the image of God and are worthy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. 
We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Are you concerned about the future? The AFA Foundation can help. End of year giving allows you to offset your current taxable income, providing you with valuable tax savings on this year's return. And your generous gift will help further the mission of AFA to inform, equip, and motivate people in the culture war for years to come. Through the AFA Foundation, you're supporting the work of the American Family Association by helping individuals and families leave a legacy to help stem the tide of secularism and rebuild our Christian foundations. As the end of the year approaches, carefully considering what to give and when to give it can increase the impact of your gift while still meeting your own needs as well. For example, with a cash donation, your itemized tax return may allow you to receive up to the full value of your charitable gift. Contact the AFA Foundation through Facebook at our website, afafoundation.net, or call 800-326-4543, extension 345. A Saving Boys Minute with Mark Hancock. Boys love to wrestle. They love testing their skill and strength against other kids. As they compete, they experience the thrill of victory and sometimes the agony of defeat. Victory isn't guaranteed, but that's okay. Boys compete for more than just a ribbon. They love the challenge and the excitement that competition brings. Boys desperately need this. Too often the only thing they wrestle is boredom. They sit on the couch and stare at their phones. This isn't physically, mentally, or spiritually healthy. Instead, boys grow by being challenged, and as they compete, they develop important character traits needed for future success. Are you providing healthy challenges for your son? The Great Outdoors is an excellent place to start. Visit TrailLifeUSA.com slash SavingBoys for activities you and your son can enjoy together. Download free resources to help you in saving boys at TrailLifeUSA.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. Our streaming platform, AFA Streaming, is live now. You can go to streaming.afa.net, create you a free account there, or you can create a monthly uh, donation account and get access to more content. Uh, but we're adding new content to the platform probably once every month or two at least. Uh, we just uh, are adding um, a new Cultural Institute uh, production by our own Pastor Joseph Parker uh, about the life movement, about the pro-life movement, so you can find content like that and other video content such as AFA at the Core. They're on AFA streaming platform, so go to streaming.afa.net, create you an account, and uh, stream all the content you can get there on our new streaming platform. And in 2022, we're going to add on the live streaming option. So you can get the live streaming um, convenience there as well. Hey, we got another guest on the core right now. Um, Craig Hoggard out of uh, Ohio. He's the vice president of Sunrise Cooperative. Uh, Craig, did I get your last name right or halfway right? Yes, sir. Yeah, you were right in the ballpark there. So that's, that's pretty good. Hey, Craig, uh, tell us a little bit about some folks uh, hear uh, some of your um, your pro- productions on uh, uh, when they listen to Dan Celia and financial issues when it comes to the agricultural industry and the markets. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, Sunrise Cooperative, where you guys started and where you are now. Well, we're uh, probably the largest uh, agricultural cooperative in the state of Ohio. Uh, 
basically cover the uh, the western third of Ohio with uh, from a grain perspective, grain elevators anywhere from Lake Erie down towards uh, towards the Ohio River. Um, we handle about 80 million bushels of, of corn and soybeans and, and wheat a year, and um, so in the state of Ohio, uh, swing a swing a pretty big stick, and um, it's 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 been uh, it's been a good place to be. I'm originally a Minnesota South Dakota kid, never in my wildest dreams thought I'd end up in Ohio, but um, God has interesting ways of moving you around, so it's it, it's been good. Craig, I want to I want to pick your brain a little bit on on a, on on where we are now. Um, I talked to I told a story a few weeks on the a few weeks ago on the show uh, about a farmer in in uh, uh, Mississippi and North Mississippi that I talked to about a month or two ago, and he was he was going ahead and purchasing a lot of his. Uh, and I'm still learning the terminology for the for the farming <laughs> industry, but uh, from from what I understand, he was talking about uh, the money he had to put into his inputs, all of the materials, all of the seed, right. everything he needs to plant. Probably plant sometime in early 2022. Um, and he talked about how he spent um, like three to four times more on his inputs. And, and we're not talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, he mm-hmm. went from about 600000 last year in inputs to now $2 million on the same quantity and the same level of inputs. How is that sustainable? And, and what, what does that mean for 2022 and food? Well, we've had a, a pretty big uh, run-up, particularly in uh, fertilizer prices, as uh, as the gentleman you were speaking with alluded to. We're continuing to see that run-up uh, in some of the fertilizers, uh, some of the major fertilizers, and hydrous ammonia is, is a big one, and that was up uh, another $16 or 16% uh, this month over last month. Um, nitrogen fertilizer, uh, which is anhydrous, $1,420 a ton now. It's the, it's the highest it's ever been uh, since they started keeping data on it. Um, 1034 uh, zero is, is also about 7% up over last month. That's a, a starter fertilizer. You would probably plant to get that crop out of the ground, and that's currently trading at $790 a ton. Uh, so there's been some, some pretty extreme moves in, in those prices. At the same time, and, and the only thing that's, that's really helping is we've seen the uh, – the futures market or the the grain prices rally along with that somewhat. Now, if you look at um, University of Illinois, for instance, has some 2022 budgets out. And uh, for corn, for example, they projected in, in 2021, we've got a pretty good handle on, on those numbers. But for the average corn acre in Illinois, after they looked at all of the expenses, uh, they had the producer making about $280 an acre on, on beans there at $288. Uh, when they looked at projected corn uh, return per acre in, in this coming crop year of 2022, uh, they had corn down to $24 an acre. Now, obviously, when you're down to $24 an acre, it, it doesn't take much of a hiccup uh, to turn that into a negative number, Walker. Um, I think part of the, the concern is if you get into a weather problem, obviously, you'd be looking at negative returns. And, and we have seen negative returns in the past as well at, at times. Um, so that means it looked a little more attractive when they did their study, but uh, certainly the fertilizer's uh, a big story. Uh, I think the, the wise thing probably to do right now is to lock that in, uh, but then maybe to make some offset sales against it to cover that cost. Uh, we saw fertilizer prices run pretty sharply, I believe it was in 2008, and then on the heels of that, 
Uh, we saw people buy high-priced fertilizer and not sell the crop against it. And then by the time they harvested that crop, uh, the, the prices had really dropped. And mm. it was kind of a worst-case scenario. I guess that, that would be my advice this year is that while you're locking in input costs, uh, if we still have a chance to sell and, and lock in a profit on that rather than, than gamble, I think this whole year is going to be about risk management and, and trying to lock in some profit, even if they're smaller than what we would, would like to see at least protect the costs of, of those inputs. Um, the other thing that you touched on a little bit is, is the crop protection of the chemicals. And there's just a, a flat-out shortage. Supply chain is, is really getting those. And, you know, I, I know that people are just not going to get the, the chemistry that they've used in the past or not be able to get as much as they've wanted or used in the past. So uh, hopefully the listeners would be really aggressive at, at trying to get those chemicals lined up. And then think about what plan B is if they can't get the, the normal chemistry they use on that crop. What else will get the job done for them and, and help them get through this crop here? Craig, from what you're seeing, we've got a couple of different issues going on here. You mentioned supply chain, but with that comes the labor shortage, <laughs> and not the shortage right. of uh, not the shortage of, of of humans to work, but the shortage of of of, of humans that want to work because you got 11 million. Uh, you got 11 million people out of the workforce now, um, which is the largest we've seen, I believe, ever. Um, so that being said, where where is the end game here? I mean, where is the solution? What are some practical things that maybe policymakers uh, can do or even farmers can do to see us through this? You know, the last thing we want is policymakers touching this thing, probably, Walker. They've done plenty. but um, maybe, So maybe they don't need to do anything. Is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe undo what they did do. I, I don't yeah. know. The one thing we haven't touched on, and, and it's, it's interesting you bring that, but the impact of, of government, and we've certainly seen that, I think, with the unemployment numbers. Um, in, in the agricultural space, we saw it when uh, ethanol uh, came on board and the impact that had. Uh, I think the next really big, hot item in agriculture here in the United States is going to be renewable diesel, and uh, that, that's going to be a vegetable oil product. Uh, then the dollars that we're seeing push towards that, and uh, some of the target numbers they have for usage, it, it's going to be. I think it's going to become a real intense tug of war between corn and soybeans, and trying to attract enough bean acres to produce the renewable diesel that the government policy seems to be going to be pushing here and and then having enough corn acres. So I, that's more of a long term. That's going to take several years to un, unfold that. But I, I think that's one certainly for listeners to keep an eye on. I think it's going to be another classic example of, of how government, uh, even well-intended perhaps government programs, can have a, a pretty disruptive impact. You know, in, in terms of, of the near term, um, the labor shortage is, is – Certainly, a, an ongoing issue. Uh, you know, for us uh, here with, with this company, it, um, there, there's a lot of jobs, and, and so I think you're, we're, we're ratcheting up the salaries we're paying to try and re- retain good people. Uh, but I'm not quite sure how that totally unfolds. From a farm perspective, we're seeing a lot of pretty interesting things with, with automation. I think John Deere is coming out with some automated tractors, and, and I, I think we'll probably see the day where. A farmer maybe will be running a, a number of tractors from his desk, and they'll all be uh, yep. be automated, and, and technology is going to be driving it. So I think technology ultimately will save, uh, will answer a lot of this problem, but it, it could be pretty painful getting there. 
Yeah, you're 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 right, and I know there there's already some automation on the tractors right now. There's usually always mm-hmm. a human in the seat, at least you know, right. on the, piddling on their phone or listening to the American Family Radio. Um, but yeah, to yeah. your point, I am with five G coming along. I, I don't think we're we're that far out from from human or from auto driving tractors. I mean, we're really not mm-hmm. that far out. To your point, you sit at a desk, you're running four or five tractors at a time. They're probably all synced up. Um, and then you got yep. GPS. I mean, it's very conceivable that we could get there. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, the last thing I'll ask you is the the increased cost for the farmer to get all of his inputs for this upcoming year. Uh, do you believe that we're going to see that that's going to be passed on to the consumer at some level? I, I think we're probably already seeing it. As, as I look at new crop futures prices for, and, and what I'm talking about there would be the December. 22 uh, corn futures price, mm-hmm. which uh, ended up today at $5.57 a bushel. And the November 2022 soybean price, which is a little over $12.77 a bushel, that's the highest price that those uh, contracts have been at this point in the year since back in, in 2012. Uh, and so I, I think um, that there's a couple of things. Part of that is is uh, I think some of the supply chain issues and stuff that are driving that. The other thing, uh, for better or worse, is is weather problems in South America uh, that, that's helping to support this as well, and as well as good domestic demand. Um, I, I think that's the thing that that helps us this year. And I, I, in in effect, I think some of these costs will in fact be, be pushed on to the producer, or excuse me, to the consumer. But it's it's uh, there's some other factors that drive it as well. But from a historical perspective right now, the, the prices are are at historically pretty high levels for this time of year. All right. This is Craig Hogger. Thank you for coming on the core. Maybe we'll have you on again. My pleasure. Thank you very much. All right. Craig is vice president of Sunwi- Sunrise Cooperative in the state of Ohio. Um, and we'll post uh, the link to his uh, company there that he works for. Um, on our podcast page at AFR.net. And, of course, we'll also post uh, Jan Morgan, the U.S. Senate candidate from Arkansas. We're going to post her link um, on the podcast page as well. So all of this information on AFR.net. Click on the AFA at the Core podcast page, and you find today's show, and then you'll find all the relevant links that we discussed on the show today. Um, a couple uh, other stories. Well, this is a good news item. Two good news items out of uh, out of uh, the news of the day. The um, a CDC is considering reducing the uh, isolation or quarantine period for people who have been diagnosed with COVID. Uh, so this is a good news item. You know they went from fourteen days, and then it was like, well, maybe ten. <laughs> well, now they're talking seven. Uh, now they're talking seven days. Um, uh, for people who've been diagnosed with having this cold, um, which is, this is a good thing. I mean, this, this is good. And I think even the leaders that we always disagree with, like the CDC and some others, uh, they're beginning to get a lot of pressure from, uh, the business sector because a lot of these critical, uh, businesses are sending people home for 10 to 14 days. Um, when maybe on day five they're actually feeling better and and they can come back to work, um, so so that that recommendation is considered uh, is being considered going down to seven days, 
um, recommended quarantining. And, and once again, this is all recommendations. Um, this is all recommendation. The vast majority of this is handled at the state level or at the very, very local level uh, when you when it comes to um, health policy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but as I mentioned to that point, the this is the pandemic will end when we make it end. All right. Because I say that because this to, to our point here, we start if we start making this whole COVID nonsense become less of a driver of our daily lives, the more we will be better off and the closer we will get back to normalcy. Normalcy. Uh, normalcy being uh, if you're sick, stay home. If you're not sick, come to work. Um, those type of, uh, of things that we've operated under forever with other illnesses like the flu, uh, like strep, like other illnesses, we've said, you know, if you're sick, stay home. When you feel better, when you feel up to it, when you're not running a fever, come back to work, go back to school, do what you got to do. Um, but we're still seeing some of these drastic measures, you know, quarantining people because of, quote, exposure. Um, quarantining people for 7, 10, 14 days for exposure. Uh, so when we, as a society, as everyday people, when we stop subscribing to the panic, to the hysteria, um, to the germophobia, when we stop subscribing to all this, then then the, the pandemic as we know it will come to an end. The media will still try to hype it up. So will the White House. But across middle America, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. The COVID will become just another cold. Um, if you're sick, stay home. And on that note, more than 2 million Americas, Americans flew through U.S. airports on Sunday, despite the Omicron variant. <laughs> so Americans are getting back to normal, and that is a good thing. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.